motherfucking Eagle Double G. Snoop Dogg. You know I'm hopping with the D R E. to the whole nine sports podcast uh i'm recording on my own tonight because unfortunately my usual co-host dylan is stuck at work um which we did not know prior to him being at work uh so that sucks because we had postponed yesterday's episode to record today so that we could talk a bit about the coaching carousel together, but we are unfortunately not going to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, that's incredibly unfortunate. Unfortunate. There we go. Where every time I do it by myself, I just I fuck it up and then I make fun of him for doing it. So it's whatever. Um, anyway, so hope everybody had a solid Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I ate just an excessive amount of uh unhealthy food the whole weekend but loved every second of it um so i'm just gonna dive right into it now since i don't have anybody to make small talk with um about the office which i am binge watching again i just want to point that one out uh just looking at some names from the whole coaching carousel of course we saw just from prior weeks or this recent weekend um we saw willie taggart from florida state get fired charlie strong from southern from south florida get fired steve adazio the head coach of boston college got fired matt luke at ole miss got fired uh chad morris at arkansas got fired frank wilson from utsa got fired uh, Tom Herman from Texas let go pretty much his entire coaching staff, um, including including Todd Orlando and Tim Beck, his offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, we did see a couple of jobs fill up. Greg Schiano is now, after being out of football, he's now the head coach at Rutgers. Uh, Tim Beck, actually, I misspoke. He was not fired. He was reassigned from the Texas offensive coordinator basically being demoted to some kind of positional coach that we don't know yet. The same thing happened with South Carolina. Will Muschamp uh, reassigned Brian McClendon to be the wide receivers coach at South Carolina. Um, Yeah, yikes. (laughs) Um, Chris Peterson, former head coach at at Washington, University of Washington, you know, UW, I don't know if you'd call it retired or just stepped down, but he's now stepping into a leadership advisory role with Washington, or so they call it. I don't know what that means exactly. I assume he's going to be dealing primarily with recruits, but defense coordinator Jimmy Lake from Washington has now been promoted to the head coach, which I love because he is excellent at recruiting. So He is the primary DBs guy, and Washington's been known for their DBs over the past, I don't know, over the past few seasons alone, they've had first-round picks come in. Byron Murphy should have been a first-round pick. I will die on that hill. Um, I'm never leaving that one alone. But we've seen quite a bit of people uh, come and go. Personal standpoint, 
Brian George, Toledo defensive coordinator, unfortunately got fired. But so it was rightfully so. Uh, they looked just awful this whole season. Um, that sucks. But you yeah, know we've got a ton of openings, and even just in Power Five: Florida State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, uh, Boston College, all head coaching spots wide open now, and. It's going to be awesome to see where they wind up exactly. Uh, if you want to include Bud Foster, the DC at Virginia Tech retiring, you could do that also. But, uh, I mean, coaching carousel, spot opened up, right? And so we could still do that. Um, Mike McIntyre, Ole Miss's defensive coordinator, was promoted to the interim head coach, which, you know, the rule never hire the interim as your full-time head coach, so hoping that changes. Um, Boston College wide receivers coach Rich Gunnell got promoted to their interim head coaching spot. Um, he is not going to interview for the full-time coaching job after the season. Uh, now there's a ton of spots open. I'm hoping to see, uh, I'm hoping to see, of course, my favorite coordinator who I've spoken about so frequently <laughs> in, uh... In Will Hall, the uh, offensive coordinator at Tulane, hoping to see him get promoted. Just because, you know, I, I've openly been a big fan of his. Um, I'm hoping he gets to continue going on and moving up. Uh, hopefully in, in at least one of the group of five spots. And, yeah, I mean, that, there's not a ton of news yet. It's kind of just a lot of leaving. We haven't really seen a lot of roles get filled yet. Um, but I could see Will Hall taking a spot as a head coach somewhere. I'm really hoping to see Jim Leonard go somewhere. Just and anywhere. Just moving on up, leaving Wisconsin as a head coach somewhere. He's a fantastic defensive coordinator. The players seem to love him. I have not seen a single complaint about him, and I'm hoping that they can keep that up. Uh, Burt Watts, the defensive coordinator over at Fresno State, he's been great since he got promoted. I'm hoping that he can move on up. Um, I'm still very interested to see what's going to happen with Kendall Bryles, the, off the offensive coordinator over at Florida State, uh, if he gets to keep his job with whoever they bring in. Um uh, <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still somewhat sick. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping to see him move up. Jim Leonard, Kendall Bryles, the main two Power 5 coordinators I'm hoping to move up. And then Burt Watson, Will Hall, hoping to see them as the group of five coordinators get a head coaching job somewhere. Um, enough with the coaching carousel, though. Now talking about... Because recently, this past weekend, we saw... News come out of a potential first-round pick not going into the NFL draft and instead transferring to a different school. Um, that first-round pick is, of course, Utah State uh, quarterback Jordan Love. Rumor has it that his favorite spot, if he transfers, because that is now the rumor that he could be a grad transfer, so he would still play right away next year. Um, but rumor has it that he would go to... Texas Tech because Matt Wells, the current head coach at Texas Tech, was formerly at Utah State with Jordan Love. So a lot of the expectation is, of course, just 2 plus 2 equals 4. Jordan Love 
plus Matt Wells, Texas Tech. Uh, if he does transfer, that would be the favorite spot, of course. I'm not sure how I feel about that because Jet Duffy really... Of course, I think Jordan Love is better than Jet Duffy, but I'm not sure that Texas Tech needs that transfer quarterback. Just because, yeah, they have Jet Duffy. They have Alan Bowman's coming back. He redshirted this year after getting hurt earlier, but he was the initial starter before Jet Duffy. Um, of course, Jordan Love would be expected to win the starting job out of those three. I'm just not sure how much they would really, how much Matt Wells would really look into getting a new quarterback, even if he's already familiar with Jordan Love. Uh, other possibilities that I think Jordan Love could look at, though, would be. Oklahoma, of course, because even though they have Spencer Rattler, it, Oklahoma just they love bringing in transfer QBs that are grad transfers, come in, kick ass, win a Heisman, improve your draft stock a ton. Uh, I don't buy any of the Jalen Hurts first round hype, but I do buy that he's going to be gone by day two now. And at this point last year, he was being talked about as a running back, as someone moving to running back. That's where Nick Saban wanted him to move. Um, so I could see Oklahoma as an option. Jordan Love teaming up with Lincoln Riley. I think he would do a lot better than Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think he has a lot higher... I think he has a lot more potential and a much higher ceiling than Jalen Hurts does, especially in Oklahoma's offense. Uh, we'd probably see them go more to how they looked with Baker, not as much running as they have done with Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray, but... I mean, we'd see a Baker offense, a Baker style offense from 2017. Um, another option I think could be Oregon uh, losing Justin Herbert, replace a first round pick with a potential first round pick. That one would just be fun, really. Not necessarily great. Um, <laughs> and then another school I could see being interested in Jordan Love would be just Utah. So just going from Utah straight up to Utah, because Tyler Huntley is a senior. Uh, he's out of eligibility at Utah. So no matter what, he won't be there. He turned it on a ton this year. Going into last year, I had, or going into this past year, I think I had an, a round seven or an undrafted grade on him uh, based on what I watched in the summer. He's improved a ton. Haven't I don't have a full grade on him yet. I haven't gotten to the Pac-12 scouting-wise, but... He's improved his stock a ton for me. From just from what I the little that I have seen just watching the games. Uh not necessarily scouting the games. But then the final option that I would look at for Jordan Love is just straight up entering the NFL draft. Uh if you've got if he gets a day one grade back, I don't see any reason from the transfer. Uh you would still have to compete next year with guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And honestly, even if they struggle, they're still going to go very high because we've already seen them play at exceptionally high levels. So even if they struggle, they're probably going one and two next year. Um, Jordan Love would be at best QB three. Even that's not necessarily a guarantee. Like if Jake Fromm comes back to school. And then we've got Fields from Lawrence, of course, probably in the opposite order. Um, but the NFL might actually be the best option for Jordan Love now if he gets a first or maybe even a second round grade. Um, yeah, that, that's about it for Jordan Love. 
And then to review our pick'em from last week between me and Dylan, uh, our first game we had was Buffalo at Dallas um, for the Thanksgiving Day game. Um, Dallas was a six and a half point favorite. Both myself and Dylan said that Buffalo would cover the spread at the minimum. Buffalo won the game by 11, and it felt a lot farther than that, uh, or it felt like a much, much more of a blowout than that game, than the score shows. Uh, it was 26-7 with like five minutes left, and then Dallas scored a touchdown and went for two just to close the gap a little bit. Um, but you know, this one was all Buffalo all the time. Cole Beasley had a monster game in his return to Dallas. It was awesome to see watching because there was a Cowboys fan at Thanksgiving with me. Uh, so that was really that was really fun to just be able to see them get dominated there. Um, so yeah, both right first game. Second game was the Saints at the Falcons. Um, of course, Dylan and I both said New Orleans, and they were favored by seven. They won their game by eight, so much closer than initially expected. Um. New Orleans still can't recover onside kicks to save their lives. I don't know what it is. They are by far the worst team in NFL history, apparently, at recovering these onside kicks. Uh, the Falcons recovered, I think it was two in a row. The Bears recovered two in a row against them. It's rough. Taysom Hill had himself a huge game. He had a blocked punt on the first drive, and then he caught a touchdown pass from Drew Brees. Um, and then in the second quarter, I believe it was, he had, I think, his season-long rush of 30 yards for a touchdown. Um, See, so if you, for some reason, started Taysom Hill in fantasy football, uh, congrats to you. I actually, I, I'm checking right now to see if you could play him at other positions. Um, You know, just throw him in at flex every now and then. No, he just shows up as a quarterback. Oh, it's kind of stupid. Name another quarterback that's had a blocked punt and a receiving and a rushing touchdown in the game. Um, sorry, that was very off topic. Um, and then in what was an awesome game that was kind it kind of was hindered by the rain a little bit, but at the same time, if you're gonna watch a rain game, it'd probably be between you'd probably want it to be between these two teams. Uh, the 49ers at the Ravens. The Ravens were favored by six. Both Dylan and myself took the Ravens. But the Ravens won, but did not cover. Uh, the final score was twenty to seventeen. The te- the two teams combined for two hundred and seventy pass yards, um, which is yikes. But of course, rain all game. Lamar Jackson was the leading rusher for the Ravens, and Raheem Mostert had a monster game. He took all- he not only had the most yards, but he dominated the carry share. By, by a massive margin the team had 29 total carries he had 19 of them um jimmy garoppolo had three so of the other seven carries available five went to tevin coleman one went to debo samuel and one went to george kittle so it was all raheem Mostert really in the backfield for uh the 49ers in this game he had a great game he's not the reason they lost it's just, it, it was a rough game, rough weather. 
and Lamar Jackson is damn near unstoppable. And he's just juking people out of their cleats left and right. Uh, it was awesome. It was fun to watch. And that's, yeah, that's all we have for the NFL slate. And then looking at college, Dylan rightfully called this game a blowout way before it happened. Uh, he said LSU was going to run it up. And Texas A&M at LSU, LSU ran it up. Um, the final score was 50-17. to 17. And it was just literally from the first drive of the game. It was all LSU all the time. LSU's drive summary went touchdown, 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 field goal, punt late in the first half, punt to start the first half, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt. Then they got a safety, and then they punted, and then they kneeled their final drive. Um, yeah, they just... I'm pretty, LSU had their second and third stringers in it was just dominance from the get-go joe burrow again looked just amazing um texas a&m qb kellen mond had i'll say easily the worst game from him that i've ever seen and it wasn't that close he looked better against bama last year um than he did against lsu this year 10 for 30 with three interceptions no touchdowns. Um, LSU looked to clean up their run defense a bit, which really hurt them versus Ole Miss. And let a, and even Alabama, Najee Harris, of course, was the difference there. But Ole Miss, the Ole Miss game really made people question LSU if their run defense would be able to hold up. And, I mean, they, they pretty much shut down Texas A&M and Kellen Mond. LSU versus Georgia's, it's built up to be just a superstar matchup. And I'm 95% sure it's going to be our game of the week this week. Uh, actually, we might just take every Power 5 game and do a game of the week breakdown for them. Every Power 5 championship game. That might be what we do. I haven't spoken to Dylan about this. I'm just I'm just winging it at this point. Uh, have not brought that up with Dylan at all, but we'll see where it goes. Um, where was I? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, Clemson at South Carolina. I hate Jimbo Fisher because I put my faith in him. Clemson was favored. Oh, sorry, last game, LSU was favored by 16 and a half, and they won by 43. Um, <laughs> this game, Clemson was favored by 27 and a half. Me and Dylan both chose South Carolina because we said, you know what? South Carolina's not going to win this game. But I don't think that they're going to let themselves lose by 27 and a half. I don't know why I said Jimbo Fisher. It's Will Muschamp. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was last game. Sorry. Um, I should know that. I, I'm actually a big fan of Will Muschamp. Florida coach. He was given the short end of the stick there. Uh, but yes. So Clemson won this game by 35. Uh, Trevor Lawrence played one of his best games of the season. Travis Etienne, uh, not so much. He actually looked, he had one of his worst games of the season that I've seen from him, but, uh, 
You can only do so much when you have a monster like Javon Kinlaw right in the middle of the defense. Uh, it's just, it was a rough game. And after South Carolina beat Georgia, we were, me and Dylan were really just like, oh, like, like South Carolina could be the team that finally shows Clemson what's good after Clemson was still getting all that love after starting off so slow. Um, unfortunately, South Carolina was not the team that showed Clemson what's good. Uh, Clemson showed South Carolina what's good, which sucked. Um, I was really hoping South Carolina could pull off an upset there. The next game was Florida State at number 11, Florida. Florida were 17-point favorites. Me and Dylan agreed yet again. I'm sorry. I know that sucks when we agree. But, I mean, so far we've been good for the most part. Um, If 60% is good. I'm pretty sure that's where we're at now. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so Florida was favored by 17. The final score was 40-17. to Florida. Kyle Trask, three touchdowns in the first half, I believe it was. And then they put in the backups. They really took their foot off the gas. It wasn't like the um, Vanderbilt game where Florida was like, oh, we're just going to keep running it up on them, which they did because if you weren't watching Florida Vanderbilt last year, Dan Mullen and Derek Mason, Vanderbilt's head coach, really got into it. Like in the middle of the field, it was wild. It was awesome. Um so it was kind of disrespectful against Vanderbilt, which I love. But this week, Dan Mullen showed a bit of mercy, kept his team healthy. Not going to be in the college football playoff, of course. But New York Six Bowl game, hopefully. Uh, Florida State just has so many question marks. No head coaching hire. No head coach, really. Uh, Tamari and Terry. Wide receiver for Florida State, though, did have an absolutely incredible game. Uh, The team outside of him had nine catches, which isn't bad, but for 50 total yards. Uh, He was the passing game, and then Cam Akers, aside from one huge run, really didn't have a great game. Uh, Take away his longest run, it was 16 carries for like 50 yards. He just broke one free for a long gain. Uh, And unfortunately, in other Florida news that I hate, Felipe Franks, former quarterback, announced that he's entering the transfer portal or entering the NFL draft. Uh, He has not made the decision yet. I sincerely hope it's the transfer portal. I think if he enters the draft, he's not getting touched at all. Um, But I I digress. It sucks. It sucks. Florida fans treated him horribly, but it is what it is. Um, and then the next game was one of the few top 25 matchups we had. Uh, Oklahoma at, or number 7 Oklahoma at number 21 Oklahoma State. The spread here was Oklahoma minus 13.5. Dylan chose Oklahoma State to cover the spread because he loves teams with the initials OSU that were black and orange. I chose Oklahoma to cover the spread. Oklahoma won the game 34-16. to So yes, they did cover the spread. Um, Chuba Hubbard had one of his least productive games of the season, which 
it's kind of to be expected when once Drew Brown stepped into the starting quarterback role after Spencer Sanders was ruled out with he got surgery on his hand, so he's ruled out for the season. Uh, and immediately from then on, we knew Chuba Hubbard was going to be the focal point and the only focal point of the defense. Um, because, yeah, going into most of the games, it was Oklahoma State's triplets of Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, and Chuba Hubbard. But now two-thirds of that trip, two-thirds of those trios or that trio, whatever, um, sorry, I got a text. It threw me off. Two-thirds of that trio is now injured and out for the season. Chuba Hubbard's the only real productive player on Oklahoma State. Dylan Stoner's been way too inconsistent. And Oklahoma needed to prove something, which they did. Uh, they finally gave the ball to Kennedy Brooks. He ate up this Oklahoma State defense. And, yeah, they just dominated from pretty much the first snap on. It was all Oklahoma all the time, which we have not seen from Oklahoma much this season. They've usually been, uh, every one of their games have been a tale of two halves, kind of. Um, so, yeah, that, that was good to see for Oklahoma, especially because they have Baylor this coming weekend for the Big 12 championship. And that was the definition of a tale of two halves. Um, and then our next game is one that I'm so happy we got wrong. Uh, really, just ecstatic that we got this one wrong. Alabama at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Alabama was favored by three and a half points. Auburn won this game 48-45. Dylan and I both took Alabama because we did not have faith in Bo Nix. Um... He still struggled. He did not play. He did not win this game for Auburn at all. Uh, a missed field goal on Bama's uh, behalf. And then two pick sixes for Auburn. It really set this game apart and gave Auburn this game. Um, I would also like to point out walker basham i don't know if you listened to this but i love that you said after the first pick six oh mac jones and nick saban threw alabama through auburn a pick six to make them feel like they had a chance it's so cute yikes um alabama has fallen out of the college football playoff for sure now no championship game and now we get to see alabama in just a normal bowl game uh, hopefully not a New York Six. I don't think they a New Year Six. I don't think they deserve it. Um, and any argument they want to make about having to use a backup quarterback, completely flawed, unacceptable. We've seen Ohio State win a championship with three different quarterbacks playing. Uh, so the backup quarterback story, not a valid excuse. Uh, as 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 the head coach. Of the team, you're supposed to have depth to replace that, and you're supposed to be able to game plan around that. So I don't accept that as a as, as an excuse, unless it happened in that game, which it did not. Um, because then you could say, "Oh, it, like we were not prepared for that at all," which it's fine, but that was not the case. So I do not accept that. The next game was number twelve, Wisconsin at number eight, Minnesota. Wisconsin was favored by two and a half. Dylan and myself both took Minnesota. And we were both horribly wrong. Um, so Wisconsin was favored by two and a half. 
both myself and Dylan said that if Wisconsin wins, it won't be by more than a field goal. Or it won't even be by a field goal. Um, Wisconsin won this game by 21. Um, it was just... It was ugly. Um, Minnesota looked like they had a real good chance to start the game when they took a lead. And then they didn't have a chance at all because Wisconsin then turned it on. Uh, Jonathan Taylor contributed in touchdowns in both the rushing and receiving games. Um, hopefully we'll get to see him at least. We'll get to see him definitely at least one more time. Hopefully two, because I do think that after the Big Ten Championship this weekend, he will come back for whatever bowl game they may be placed into. Uh, because I think he, he could get the 6,000 rushing yards if he plays those two games. And if he produces in those two games. Um, so yeah, we were horribly wrong about that. Minnesota, just... I don't even know what to say. They looked so great, and then they didn't. Uh, <laughs> they lost to Iowa. Pretty much the Penn State game. They beat Penn State. Then they had a hangover, lost to Iowa. Then I don't, I don't care that they beat Northwestern by 16. You gave up 22 to Northwestern, and they've been atrocious offensively the whole season outside of one or two games. Um, and then, yeah, getting stomped out by Wisconsin. So a team that when they beat Penn State, we all said, oh, yeah, no, like these guys are for real. They're not pretenders. Uh, they turned out to be pretenders. They just had one really great game. And then the game of the week last week, which Dylan and I... Cannot express this enough. Uh, Dylan and I both said that this should not have been the game of the week because we expected a blowout. And then Dylan changed his mind at the last minute for the game of the week. Um, like while we were recording, like an idiot because he wanted to be hot takey. Ohio State, number one Ohio State at number 13 Michigan. I don't even remember the last time that Michigan won this game, but I know it's been at least five years. Uh, Ohio State was favored by eight. I said on the podcast that Ohio State was definitely going to cover this. Dylan said that Ohio State was... Keep in mind, before recording, Dylan and I were texting, and we said Ohio State's going to blow them out. Um, But then we recorded the part that really matters. And Dylan said, Ohio State will not cover the eight-point spread because Michigan is going to win outright. Michigan scored 27. Ohio State won by 29. The final score is 56-27 to Ohio State. Congrats, Michigan fans. You can talk all you want about how Chase Young did not have a monster game and he did not dog at all. Um... I actually don't even think he had a tackle. I uh, definitely didn't have a sack, but I don't even think he had a tackle or anything. And Michigan fans are talking all that trash about how they clamped him up. You got beat by more than double of what you scored. So let's not. Um, or you got beat by more than what you scored. Uh, so let's not bring that up. Shea Patterson played a very bad game against the best secondary he's going to see because this is a full-blown NFL secondary. Uh, Sorry, I don't know why that 
came out, so chopped up. Um, <laughs> being Ohio State, Justin Fields got hurt, came back in and immediately threw a dime. Uh, I know I feel like Dylan chose Michigan just because he wanted to see Ohio State lose so that LSU would be ranked number one again. But you don't bet with your heart. And that's what he did. And uh, that, that sucked for him. And then that covers our pick'em for the week. So next up is the stock up, stock down. My first stock up goes to Jalen Rager, wide receiver at TCU. He declared for the NFL draft earlier today. And that's why his stock is up. His kid is a stud. His only issue is his hands. And even then, that's him doing the Odell and looking up to make a th- looking upfield to make a play, and then dropping the ball. He's got he's an insane athlete. Uh, I actually have the numbers right here. Let me just pull them up real quick. So he's 5'11", 195, runs a four two nine forty, has a six hundred twenty pound squat. 380 pound bench and 380 pound clean the man is a freaking freak that's it that's the only way you could describe him he's an absolute freak and i love so much that he declared because he was by far the most underutilized player in college football Uh, i was watching his i was creating his scouting report earlier and I was watching his film while doing that, of course. And I even tweeted out who was who do people think is the most underrated player in or the un, most underutilized player in all of college football. And uh, I tagged one guy because I felt like he would agree with me. And I feel like his opinions are usually pretty spot on. And we did agree. Uh <laughs> I had I had tweeted this out expecting it to be Jalen Rager and Ray GQ agreed. Um, Jalen Rager's been criminally underutilized. He's been criminally overthrown every time that they want to get in the ball. He is going to be a stud in the NFL. Uh, my next stock up is the University of Washington. Because although I do think Chris Peterson was a very good coach, I think having Jimmy Lake as the new head coach is going to be is going to really push them over the edge now, uh, over that hump. I do think his recruiting ability now as the head coach and his development skills uh, are going to spread more throughout the whole team now and not just in the defensive backfield. So really hoping for... I have very high expectations for Washington next year, and I'm hoping they could reach them. <laughs> uh, my final stock up goes to Jim Leonard, the current defensive coordinator at the University of Wisconsin. His stock is up because he 100% deserves a head coaching job in D1 college football and Power 5 college football, and I'm really hoping he gets it because... He's a guy that I'm sure is going to be successful. Wherever he winds up, he should get his pick of where he wants to go. Uh, Stock down. I already spoke about these first two. My first two are Minnesota and Utah State. Minnesota stock down because they they proved to be pretenders. They tricked us all into thinking that they were actual contenders. 
they were not. Uh, big pretenders. I mean, I'm interested to see their bowl game, if they can try to change that, at least the image that I have of them now. Um, interested to see their bowl game. Not sure how it's going to wind up for them or who they're going to play, but I can't wait to see it. Uh, Utah State stocked down because you have a first potential first-round quarterback, and he's now leaving your school, either via the draft or transferring. Um, he has one more year of eligibility to just stay at Utah State, but again, all signs are pointing to him leaving one way or another. And the final stock down um, goes to a guy that he has a pretty good reputation as a football player. And it's Tom Brady. Um, his team has a tremendous record, of course, the Patriots, 10-2. and two. Uh, But he has just looked bad this year. And um, this, might, this is the year, I think. This might be the year that he finally hangs it up and realizes that he's regressed significantly. Um, I hate saying that because I feel like now he's going to throw for 400 next week. But at this point, he's regressed significantly this year. He looks burnt. And it looks like, thank God, they have an amazing defense because that's what's keeping them in it. Um, following the stock up, stock down, we now have the mailbag. Uh, first question is from Mark Heaney. Thoughts on a Jordan Love transfer? Already went through that. Uh, I had written the mailbag down before I wrote the rest of the uh, spreadsheet. So, yeah, already went through that. I hope he transfers. I don't think he's ready for the NFL draft. I'll say If I didn't say that earlier, I will say that I really hope he grad transfers uh, because I don't think Utah State can properly develop him, and I don't think at all that he's ready for the NFL. I think he is way too raw. Um and he needs that one more year, hopefully uh, with Power 5 coaching. Um, hopefully Big 12 coaching, because that would be fun to see. And I get to cover the Big 12, so I'd love to see that. Um, next question is from Justin Rochette. Should Joe Burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W, legally change his name to Joe Burrow, B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X, like he did for the senior night uh, jersey? Which, by the way, I really was hoping that Dylan would be here to talk about this one. I love so much that he did this, and after the game, reporters were like, oh, like, did you talk to Coach O about it? And he's like, no, I spoke to everybody but Coach O. Um, which I love that he did. I just think that's funny. Um, I doubt Coach O cared. It was really cool. Everybody loved it. No one has more drip than Joe Burrow. Um, he should change his name to J-E-A-U-X. B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X. Uh, that, that's my take on it. He should just go full-on Louisiana, first name Joe with the E-A-U-X, last name Burrow with the E-A-U-X, and just roll with that. Um, <laughs> and then the final mailbag question is, who is the most surprising coach retention? And I think mine is actually really hot takey that I'm saying it. I think the easy one to say so far is Clay Helton because he has not been fired or dismissed from USC yet, and that was kind of expected before the season. But he really... um, I think he exceeded expectations once 
all the injuries started happening. This USC team really got banged up. Um, but then the guy that I'm picking for this is actually Tom Herman from Texas. Uh, this team is so far and away the most underwhelming team to me in the conference and possibly the most underwhelming team in the entire nation. And I, I don't know. I know he fired his whole staff, even his good friends. I don't care about that. I, I thought he was going to be gone. Uh, not that I think he necessarily should have. Air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. Um, not that I necessarily think he should have been fired, but I expected it following how rough... At least the second half of the season was really rough. The LSU game, we expected them to not be as close as they were, at least... I'm pretty sure myself and Dylan both said it was going to be LSU by a pretty good margin, um, which is closer than we thought. But just the Oklahoma game, they just looked sorry. TCU game, they just looked sorry. They've had so many just close games. The Iowa State game was disappointing. They just they disappointed so much this season. I thought Tom Herman and his staff were going to be gone, but I guess... I guess he's saving himself by just getting rid of the rest of his staff. I'd love to see who he's going to bring in. Uh, but next year has to be a good year for this Texas team because they had high expectations going in. And they just they crapped the bed the entire time. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's who I think is the most surprising coach retention. Um, at least to this point. But yeah, okay, so that's it for the episode. I know it was fairly short, but we didn't have, when we don't have me, myself and Dylan here to just have fun, banter, and be able to bounce ideas off each other, it kind of sucks, but he got stuck at work, so that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, We will be back on Thursday, our regularly scheduled podcast. Um, Thank you all for listening. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find Dylan on Twitter at Dilly Sanders. You can find Whole Nine Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything at Whole Nine Sports, W H O L E N I N E Sports. Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. Feel free to contact us in any way you want, say whatever you want. Uh, definitely check out Dylan's mock draft from this past from that came out today. Um, Panthers fans just hate him so much, and it brings me joy. Um, I, it's entertaining to see just pa- just Panthers fans just hate him whenever he d- puts out a mock draft. And the thing is, I don't think they realize that it's him that puts out the mock draft, and they hate it. I think they just happen to hate his mock draft. Um, which makes it funnier to me. But yeah, uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you on Thursday. Bye!